five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Here we go. It's game time. Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, here's your host, Dean Millard. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Nice to be in orbit. It is nice to be back on the air after a... Uh, Brief holiday. Thank you very much for joining me on Sports and More. My name is Dean Millard, and I'm really excited to have you aboard on this program. Episode 11 for us, as uh, we had a uh, a bye week, you might say, last week. A little bit of time off, uh, back from a trip to Manitoba and Saskatchewan. I love driving through the prairies once a year. Uh, it's, not, it's beautiful, uh, but I would only want to ever do it once a year, and that's why we do it only once a year, uh, but we had a great time in Killarney. We were in uh, Clear Lake, my wife and I. We were in Clearwater Lake in Saskatchewan. I did some networking with a uh, pro hockey coach while I was uh, traveling and maybe uh, looking at doing some kind of a hockey coaching podcast at some point. Stay tuned for that. Uh, by the way, if you are interested in other podcasts, I have uh, two other ones on the go. Uh, one is the Prospects Baseball Show. We'll talk about them in a second. And uh, also the Cannabis 101 podcast, an educational look at the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. You can find all of that at deanmillard.ca. Uh, so anyway, uh, before we get into the show, I want to just uh, uh, take a moment and um, obviously address the tragedies that took place uh, in the last few days in the United States. The mass shootings in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. I will rarely talk about politics on this show, rarely. Politics and religion are the two things that I generally stay away from, and I'm sorry if this um, offends that rule or breaks that rule, but just this once I will say that if you can't see that gun control and restrictions have worked around the world in countries that have it, then you don't want to see it changed. The amount of mass shootings in the United States is disgraceful. No one wants to take the right to hunt away from people. But you don't need high-powered assault rifles to take down a deer or a moose. I can't imagine how scared American citizens are right now to go anywhere. And, you know, my, my sister-in-law lives in the United States, and I worry about her safety all the time. And to the people, some of the people in politics in the United States that are blaming mental illness, video games, homosexuality, or the legalization of marijuana, stop it. You look ridiculous. You sound ridiculous when that stuff comes out of your mouth. Get real. And of course, obviously thinking about all the families, I, can't, I just can't imagine uh, what it is like um, in the United States right now to be so fearful, so... Thoughts and prayers, obviously, and that means very little uh, at, at a time, but obviously you're thinking of people in that uh, predicament. On this uh, show today, Jamie Thomas from Jets TV is going to join me. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jamie Thomas TV. We're going to take an expanded look at fantasy football. Jamie usually joins us, although uh, we've been on vacation, he's been on vacation, and we'll get to that in a second um, when he joins us. But uh, he usually joins us for a segment we do called Fantasy Fun Time. And that's where we just discuss different things about fantasy. Today we're doing an extended look at fantasy football. The preseason is here. You know, what is going to happen with a couple of running backs that are holding out? What is going to happen for a couple of, or at least one running back that held out all of last year? So there's a lot of questions. So Jamie and I will do a extended segment. He's going to be our featured guest on the program today. Uh, some hockey news. Kevin Shattenkirk to the Lightning on a one-year deal after being bought out by the Rangers. $1.75 million for the season. Some Oilers fans wanted him here. A few years ago, I'd definitely been interested, not based on the last couple of seasons. He 
Uh, from all accounts, and listen, I didn't watch a lot of New York Ranger games, so I'm not going to profess to be an expert on Kevin Chattenkirk, but the, you know, the reading the things that I did read from people I trust, a uh, bit of a train wreck in his own end. So, you know, he can hide a bit, I think, on that Tampa Bay blue line where you can't in Edmonton, even as a third pairing, second power play unit, right-handed shot defenseman, which is, you know, right-handed shot defenseman that has some offensive skills is enticing to the Edmonton Oilers and their fans. But you gotta you gotta weigh the good with the bad, and maybe if if it was only a million or like nine hundred thousand dollars, which I can't imagine Kevin Chattenkirk ever coming to Edmonton when he could get almost two million dollars to go play in Tampa, it's just not gonna happen. Uh, so I just don't think it was gonna be a fit for uh, the Oilers and Kevin Chattenkirk. I was confused on when I was uh, in Manitoba, Tampa Bay. Well, I don't know what they're doing with Andre Vasilevsky. He's a great goalie, but nine and a half million is too much. Ask the Habs. As much as I love Carey Price, you can win cheaper with with cheaper goaltending. Ask the St. Louis Blues. So I don't, you know, I like Vasilevsky, but $9.5 million, that is too rich for a, a goaltender, uh, in my uh, opinion. Uh, and also, I saw this, NHL.com had their top 20 centers going into this year. Evgeny Malkin was 13th on the list. And Ryan O'Reilly was ahead of him. I like O'Reilly, but I'm not taking him over Malkin. Even with Malkin's face-off deficiencies. Malkin had 72 points last year despite missing 14 games. O'Reilly had 77 points last year. It's the first time he's scored more than 70 in his career. Again, he's a really good player. But he should not, in my opinion, be ranked ahead of Evgeny Malkin. I just don't think that should happen. And uh, you can uh, disagree with me if you want and uh, shout me a tweet at Duck Millard, at Duck Millard on Twitter. Uh, by the way, you can get us on Instagram at Sports and More Podcast, at Sports and More 35 on Twitter. You can email us here on the show at or, uh, Sports and More Pod at gmail.com and check out our website, sportsandmore.ca. So if you, if you disagree that uh, Malkin. Uh, isn't a better center right now than Ryan O'Reilly, especially if you're talking going into this year. O'Reilly's going to be, I don't think, I think the chances of him putting up 77 points again are uh, are rare after uh, winning the Stanley Cup and uh, what it does to you uh, the following year. What I do agree with on the list, though, Alexander Barkov ranked fifth. He is a rising star who came four points shy of 100 last year. And again, I don't watch a lot of Florida Panther games, um, like a lot of people, unfortunately, in Florida. But I, I do watch some because they're on early, and Barkoff, and uh, the, I, I really like some of the pieces that they have down there. But he is, he's fun to watch. He plays the game exactly the right way. So uh, I was, uh, I was happy to see him rank so highly on that list, uh, coming in at uh, number five. Now. This is something I didn't like to see. Canada, yeah, they're going to be in tough. Our country will be in tough for an Olympic spot without some key players. A top seven finish at the World Cup in uh, and Canada, rather, is in to the Olympics for the first time since 2000. I haven't been to the Olympic Games in almost 20 years. But no Andrew Wiggins, no Jamal Murray, no R.J. Barrett, no Tristan Thompson or Dwight Powell, a few other guys as well. Some of the guys aren't 100% healthy, and I think they're obviously going to focus on their NBA season and their NBA career, where their paycheck comes from, and it's kind of hard to fault that. But, you know, R.J. Barrett, he's, he couldn't go, and his dad's the GM, so he had to say no to his dad. It's just un really unfortunate because Canada, with all its top players, would be a medal contender at the 2020 Olympics. Maybe for contending for gold against the U.S. I don't know if they could ever beat the U.S., but you never know. So it's, it's just disappointing in that regard that we're not going to be able to see all of our best players in one spot at the Olympic Games in the biggest stage, especially after all the momentum that the Raptors generated in Canada uh, with their obvious uh, run to the title. So tough news for Canadian basketball fans. Hmm. What's on my mind today? <laughs> I don't know. You want answers? I don't know what the hell he wants. Let's get into things. Let's get real. This is the Myron French question of the day. I'll read you loud and clear. 10-4. 
Okay, so on the Myron French question of the day, and by the way, Myron French, an old high school teacher of mine, uh, taught law, uh, also uh, ran uh, something called the chip truck in the summer, which had some of the best fries you would ever get, bar none anywhere. But anyway, uh, he would start the class every day with the question of the day, and sometimes it would take up the whole class. Those were the best days because uh, then we didn't have to do any work because nothing really ever from the question of the day was going to end up on the final exam. So question of the day today is, you're in a brand new Keeper Dynasty League starting this year. You have the first overall pick, and it's a touchdown plus yardage league. Who are you taking? Uh, Scott Naughty on Twitter says, uh, Saquon Barkley, he will need to carry the load this year or next, especially when Eli is uh, no longer number one. And uh, you know what? I can understand people going for Saquon Barkley. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this with Jamie Thomas in a little bit as we talk about fantasy football. I have concerns about Saquon Barkley um, being healthy enough to be worthy of a number one pick. Uh, Daniel Jacques on Twitter says Patrick Mahomes, which is interesting. Um, If you could tell me he's going to have a 55 touchdown season again, I would think about it, but I don't know of any league where Patrick Mahomes is going to go first overall. Certainly first uh, for quarterbacks, but uh, not sure uh, first overall. Uh, Alex Browning said uh, Alvin Kamara, and uh, that's who I'm going with as well. Um, There's no more Mark Ingram, so he's not going to have to share the load as much. He will likely break 1,000 yards this season, 14 TDs on the ground, four more in the air last season. Both of those totals could rise. Uh, so this is, you know, he has Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray is uh, not going to be stealing carries from Kamara most likely this year. So he was one of the more popular running non-quarterbacks uh, as far as uh, point totals. And I would go with Alvin Kamara if I was in a league, which I would like to be. By the way, if you're uh, if you have a fantasy football league out there and you are looking to expand, I would be interested in joining. I started a league last year and then it folded after one season uh, because the uh, league I started it for, that station uh, got rid of me. Uh, they uh, laid me off with their uh, uh, Bell Media layoffs, so the uh, All-Nighters League is no longer. So I'm looking for a new league. I have the World Professional Fantasy Football League that I'm in with Jamie Thomas that we'll talk a little bit about later, but I'm looking for a fantasy football league that has um, a yardage plus touchdowns and all that stuff standard because I'm in a only pure scoring league which you'll hear about with uh, Jamie in a, in a bit. So if you're looking at a, if you have a league, you're looking to expand, I don't really want to take over another person's uh, previous team and have to deal with, no offense, their mistakes, things that I would do differently. And I don't want to be a co-owner because I don't think I play it well enough with others to be a good co-owner. Uh, so if you have a fantasy football league, I would definitely be interested in uh, joining your league. Uh, get me on Twitter at Duck Millard with the details if you have an opening. Three, two, one, and liftoff. Let's go! Time for your top three. Liftoff and the clock has started. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Beautiful, beautiful. On today's top three, we are revisiting uh, a topic, um, kind of, that we did with the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, Uh, and we're looking at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which just inducted uh, uh, some members over the weekend. Uh, Ed Reed's uh, interview uh, was awesome. Uh, Some Just some great stuff about, like, making guys pick up their own tape and towels in the locker room, talking about the little things, respecting the people around you, and that. People might look at that and say, oh, my goodness, that doesn't help. And he said we would not have won the Super Bowl without doing those things. So um, really, really good stuff that you can revisit. But uh, we're revisiting. We use this topic in baseball. So who are the top three uh, guys or gals, not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that should be? Uh, So I threw this out on Twitter. And uh, Avery from Avery Sports Show says, uh, Eddie George is another name that should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Over seven seasons of 10,000 yards on the ground, five seasons in a row, averaging at least 80 yards per game. Only one year averaging less than three yards per carry, four Pro Bowls, 96 Rookie of the Year. 
Uh, Raider Jesse says Flores, Branch, and John Lynch. And John Lynch is going to be on my list as well. And, uh, yeah, this is my list. My honorable mention goes to Roger Craig, running back for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, was the Offensive Player of the Year in 88, a three-time Super Bowl champ, four-time Pro Bowl, second-team all-decade for the 80s, uh, made the playoffs all 10 seasons he played, and became the first player to have a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving in 1985. So that's my honorable mention. Uh, that those are really good numbers for a guy who's not even on my top three to get in, and um, he's got up against uh, some pretty good guys. John Lynch, as was mentioned on uh, on the Twitter line, I'm going with uh, him number three safety for the Bucks. Um, he's been to the final stage six times and didn't get in, and now he's doing some good things on the uh, GM side. But we're just talking about his playing ability now. Came into the league. And he turned the Bucs from league losers to Super Bowl champs. Well, he helped anyway. Nine times named to the Pro Bowl. He controlled the secondary so Hall of Famers Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp could do their thing. And I'm not saying that he's the key, but he helped them a lot. Obviously, uh, you know, forcing the quarterback to stick around a lot longer and take the sacks was a big thing. So I think John Lynch should be in the uh, Hall of Fame. This number two uh, guy I'm going with is Reggie Wayne, wide receiver from the Colts. Um, Marvin Harrison, of course, was Peyton Manning's main target, but Reggie Wayne was really important to the Colts' golden years in the 2000s. Six times at the Pro Bowl, eight 1,000-yard seasons, career high, 1,510 yards, leading the league in 2007. And just because Marvin Harrison, the spotlight was on him, doesn't mean that Reggie Wayne didn't have a Hall of Fame career as well. There's no way... in, in you. I'm sure if you ask guys on the Colts, if Reggie Wayne isn't there, there's no way that the Colts have that success. You you had that one-two punch. Obviously, you had uh, Edron James on the ground. Uh, I just think that uh, Reggie Wayne should be in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And number one, the person I think should be in the Hall of Fame is Amy Trask, the former CEO uh, for the Oakland Raiders. She was the right-hand woman to Al Davis, the first female CEO in the NFL. That's a trailblazer. She paved the way for other uh, females to get involved in the National Football League. And, you know, all the talk uh, last year about Condoleezza Rice taking over the Browns. I'm like, you have Amy Trask right here. Why would you not add her to your front office? Um, She's very knowledgeable. I've interviewed her a few times, and she's just a wonderful storyteller and interviewer. She's an analyst for CBS Sports. Great nickname, too, also. Princess of Darkness. Come on, how is the Princess of Darkness not in the Hall of Fame? And there should be more than one woman in the Hall of Fame, and she should be uh, the next one. So I am going with honorable mention to Roger Craig, John Lynch, Reggie Wayne, and Amy Trask uh, to get in to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Self is solitary tonight. But I got time to figure out where I Usually we talk to this gentleman uh, once a week in fantasy fun time here on Sports and More, but uh, this week we're doing an expanded look specifically at fantasy football. Preseason games are underway already. The league gets uh, going in uh, early September, and Jamie Thomas is joining us. Of course, he is with uh, Jets TV. And you can follow him on Twitter at Jamie Thomas TV. Uh, but a, a big time fantasy guru, a commissioner in a bunch of leagues that I'm in. And uh, Jamie, how has your summer been? First of all, how was that? Uh, um, 
I'm, I was going to think like Chevy Chase-ish uh, oh, Lam- yeah. Lampoon vacation. vacation. Yeah. How was it? Yeah, National National Family Vacation. It, it was good. Uh, we didn't have, I didn't drive off the road. Uh, I wasn't staring at any uh, ladies driving by in a red Corvette or anything like that. So I didn't have any issues <laughs> such as that. And I didn't stop at any, any parks. So uh, no no issues. But it was it was good. Uh, rent to the van. So like we've avoided the family van thing for the longest time. And no offense to anybody out there that has, three kids or a van i just i can't do it full time but it is really handy when you go on long drives because it keeps the kids out of contact from one another which is very important uh you know this you had two brothers yeah uh anytime touching comes into play uh there's there's problems so the fact that they got to separate and you had the old dvd player which is a lifesaver i have no idea how our parents entertained us on long drives when we were kids because uh the eight hours of are we there yet is is painful as an as a parent so uh, thankful for the DVD players that have been inserted into minivans across the world. I wish Jim and Gene would have had a minivan because then I wouldn't have been stuck in I the know. back seat of the Malibu with Derek and Darren the whole time. I, I know, I know. Like, and your your equipment stinks and all that stuff like that. They're just like, and there's you have no idea how my parents slammed in three hockey bags into the back of a, a Mercury Cougar. 1968 and uh if anybody else and you stunk half the time so i don't remember showering very much when i was younger so uh after hockey games so i'm glad those days are over and i'm kind of thankful my kids don't play hockey because i don't miss the smell of hockey equipment no doubt Uh, well we all miss the nfl uh and we love the cfl but we miss the nfl and especially fantasy football and that's what we're focusing on today so let's start with um you know a, a basic question and it's it's our myron french question of the day here on sports and more you're in a brand new keeper slash dynasty league it's starting this year you have the first overall pick it's a td plus yardage league who are you taking first overall well i'm sure jerry jones doesn't want to hear this but i to me ezekiel elliott is like the most valuable player in fantasy football just on his touches alone and i know he's he's holding out right now but this is a guy that's going to have over 300 carries uh, if he's in, in, in time and is going to catch over 70 balls. And you know the touchdowns are going to come as well. He is the offense. He is the guy, uh, especially in a position where it's so difficult to give that position a lot of money. Ezekiel Elliott is worth all the money the Cowboys pay him and a little bit more because of how the offense is focused around him. So I, I, I'm with Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to get you the touches. He's going to have lots of catches. It's a good offensive line. And uh, that's the guy I'm going with in dynasty slash uh, a keeper slash dynasty league. See, I and I think the the all the numbers uh, that you provided there are accurate and make a good case yeah. for Ezekiel Elliott. But the one yeah. the one thing I'm I'm leery about is um, the 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 holdout. And you just don't like we saw it last yeah. year when when guys you know when guys were using high end first round pick some first overall picks on a certain oh, running Le'Veon back Bell. in Pittsburgh right yeah Le'Veon Bell yeah. exactly and it wait yeah. you know I just I don't think it's going to happen but that worries me about Ezekiel Elliott for sure to take him first overall you know the only difference is you know I think in Pittsburgh there was confidence that they could survive without uh Le'Veon Bell and they and yes they didn't make the playoffs um but they still had Antonio Brown he still had Ben Roethlisberger and James Conner showed he was he could fill in but Ezekiel Elliott, to me, is a guy that the Cowboys can't replace. So I think the pressure is on them to pay him, and I think they will pay him when time uh, the season starts. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't go Elliott just for that reason. Um, and and yeah. a, lot of peop- a lot of people say Saquon Barkley, but he is too much yeah. of the Giants' offense, and that is too much of a workload for me. So the guy I would go with is in mm-hmm. New Orleans, and it's Alvin Kamara, especially that yeah. Ingram is gone now. He's going to get more carries, and he had a ridiculous season. Uh, An article I read said he set the fantasy points per touch record in 2017, and and that's the guy I'm going with. He's proven that he can handle the workload, and they've got a good team around him as well, so he's not going to be the focus of every defense. Yeah, I mean, all these guys, you know, running back again is that position you have to fill early if you're starting over, and you better do it quickly because guys are going off going off the board really fast. But I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three people. I yeah, I'm like you. I'm a little leery with Saquon Barkley because he is the only thing, and and the offensive line is getting a little bit better in New York. But I don't believe in any of the wide receivers they have there, and I'm not sure about Eli Manning and uh, David Jones. So uh, that's he is the offense, but I think every defense knows that. 
they'll be out there to stop him. So, but I don't, I don't think you can really go wrong with any any of those three players. And we're talking running backs uh, with a bunch of names because running backs go off the board sometimes. You know, six, seven, sometimes the top first t- ten picks have been running backs yeah. in drafts that I've been in. So. Once you, okay, let's say you're in a draft and where's the, where's the cutoff do you think for, for running backs and who would be the first receiver that you would take? Oh, geez. Well, I, I think when you look down the board, the receiver and quarterback is deep, but to me, uh, DeAndre Hopkins in, in uh, Houston, because of the combination uh, with Deshaun Watson, that to me and Houston's offense is, is very good. It's explosive, but DeAndre Hopkins, is my number one guy. And you, you can't go wrong either with Mike Thomas from New Orleans. Um, and, of mm-hmm. course, you can't go wrong with Julio Jones, who's about to get paid and paid very well. So those top three guys, but I'm, I'm a huge DeAndre Hopkins guy. He is the guy they look for in the end zone, so um, inside the in, the in the red zone too. So uh, that, to me, is your number one receiver off the board if you have that opportunity. But uh, you can wait a long time for quarterbacks. Um, because of the depth at wide receiver and the depth at quarterback, but you got to take care of your running back position, no question about it. Yeah, and you you can if if you're able to, uh, you know, say you're picking eighth, then then plan on probably getting one of those top three receivers. The guy who I think is going to be interesting to watch in this year's uh, drafts is Melvin Gordon. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know how do how do fantasy owners approach Melvin Gordon this year? Yeah, I think you're going to have to wait, and it's. it's he's not going to get traded because nobody's going to give up, you know, any team that needs a running back, say like the Miami Dolphins, the Dolphins are are tanking this year and they're not going to give up a high pick to get Melvin Gordon at this position. So it's, he's in a tougher position than Ezekiel Elliott because San Diego has proven that they can survive without Melvin Gordon, even though he is again, one of those multiple option type running backs, good receiver, uh, very good at running the football and holding on to the football. So uh, I think he's in a tougher position. I don't blame him for wanting to get paid, but I don't think he's really standing on anything that the, the Chargers can't survive without him for a while. All right, we're chatting with uh, Jamie Thomas of uh, Jets TV and uh, well, our, our Fantasy Fun Time uh, usual guest, and we're doing uh, an expanded look at fantasy football. And uh, you, you can explain this. Uh, we are in a pure scoring league. It's touchdowns mm-hmm. equals points. Um, why do you like that league versus uh, PPR or yardage leagues uh, that uh, that are, are usually more common? Tell me why you like the pure scoring method. Uh, because, uh, well, this league, our league's been around since 1994, and I, I, I know PPR leagues kind of came around a little bit later, but when I first started, it was touchdown-only leagues. I just think if you're going to score points, it should just be on touchdowns based on that uh, alone. So, And I, I get the the why people like the PPR leagues it does add another element to things you do guys that don't score a lot of touchdowns can become more valuable because uh of the yardage uh, uh PPR type system but I I'm old school I I will die, live and die on this hill about touchdowns I know a lot of people don't like touchdown only leagues but I think it makes certain guys more valuable than others of course quarterbacks in our league uh are the most valuable uh, players year after year because of the points they can put up. It's usually over 100 in that aspect, but you still do have to find decent running backs. And the teams in our league that struggle um, uh, don't have good running backs. Um, having said that, the guy that won our league last year won because he had Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes only. Uh, he didn't have much else to work with, but it was enough to, to win the fantasy championship last year. But I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to have the same type of year that he had this year, which was uh, 2018 was something... We probably won't see him for a little while, but uh, don't don't expect that big of a drop out, Patrick Mahomes. But uh, you still, I still am a, fan, a touchdown only guy. And I'm willing to listen to people that want to kind of convince me of that, but not in my league. I'll uh, take part in somebody else's league to do that. Yeah, but the Patrick Mahomes season last year was so it was video game like it was ridiculous yeah. how how he did mm-hmm. that. And and you're right. I think teams are really going to game plan a lot more uh, when it, when it comes to him this year. Um, and, and it's interesting. We threw the Myron French question of the day out on Twitter, and somebody said they would take Patrick Mahomes first in uh, in, yeah. a, in a draft like that, which would be really ballsy to be able to do that, thinking that he's going to be able to do the same thing he did last year. And then you you hurt yourself because all the quality running backs are going to be off the board right. by the time it comes back to you again. If it's a snake, especially with the snake draft, because you're not going to pick again for a while. 
if it's the uh, you know same order of draft, maybe. But man, you're you're really taking a flyer on the fact that he's going to put up the same type of points that he did last year. Uh, all the more power to you. It was a hell of a year. He's not going to drop off that much. But uh, I, I think it's, there's other ways to do it if you if you want to win your league this year. Yeah, if you're in a league with only eight to ten owners, you might be able to get away with it if it's not a snake draft yeah. because you're still going to get not a good a, running yeah. back in the in with the eleventh pick or or whatever it is. Okay, so let's look at yeah. um, by position and let's start with a quarterback. Is Patrick Mahomes the number one quarterback to take? I, I oh, think yeah. I think there's no question about it. Yeah, it's he has all his weapons back. Uh, there's there's no way. He doesn't uh, have an outstanding season, and there's no way he doesn't lead quarterbacks in points minus injuries. Uh, just 24 years old, uh, Tyreek Hill is around. Uh, they drafted Nicole Hardman. Uh, that gives Mahomes a lead. Uh, I don't think it's 55 touchdowns, or, or I think that was what it was last year. Maybe dropped off to around 50, but uh, and then the yardage is going to be there again. So there's no question he's my number one quarterback on the board. Okay, who's two and three when it comes to quarterbacks? Like, to, you know, Tom Brady keeps uh, putting putting up great seasons, but he's 42 years old. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, Tom Brady drops off out of the top five for me right now. Uh, I'm going to Andrew Luck because yes. of how wise the the Colts have been drafting and drafting and improving that offensive line. Uh, his shoulder is just fine as you showed last year. Uh, was in top five uh, six times last year in terms of points in PPR leagues. So I don't think that changes. They have all the weapons. Uh, they're, they're only going to be better this year, the Indianapolis Colts. Their defense is better, which means he's going to be on the field a lot more. Um, also added big body Devin Funches and drafted Paris Campbell. So uh, there is no way that Andrew Luck doesn't have a big year. He's my number two quarterback this year. Okay, and so um, the, the number three quarterback, I'm thinking the, there could be a few different names uh, floating mm-hmm. around floating around in this spot, depending on kind of what your league is like. I totally agree with you when it comes to Andrew Luck. I took him last year early in one of my leagues because I thought he was going to have a bounce-back season, and he obviously did. But, um, you know, who who's the number three quarterback to draft in fantasy football, do you think? Uh, going back uh, to Sean Watson, and this is based on his running ability alone, right? So you're going to get your running touchdowns, you're going to get your rushing yards, um, you know, 25-plus passing scores through the air last year. He's going to get around 4,000 passing yards. So I think that is no question. It's a toss-up for me between him and Aaron Rodgers. I think Rodgers has a big bounce-back year this year. But to me, Deshaun Watson's running ability alone gives him uh, he is my number three guy for quarterbacks. Okay, so we talked about running backs a little bit before with uh, you know Elliott mm-hmm. and Barkley and uh, Alvin Kamara. I'll just ask yeah. you quickly when it comes to running backs, where does Le'Veon Bell fit in uh, now with the New York Jets? I don't like. I see he's still a top five back, you know, or just outside of that. I just Adam Gase to me in his four whatever or whatever years it was as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins didn't impress me at all. I thought he was that offensive guru that he was when uh, he was with Peyton Manning, a uh, great coach when he was with Alabama, but uh, hasn't brought to the board and just a bizarre, bizarre individual and in the mess the Jets are. So I still think that Le'Veon Bell is going to be a top five back based on one thing: he's healthy. Uh, a full year off can't help, uh, but help him out. Um, so I'm, I'm about in the top five, just outside, and, and maybe pushing a little bit further than six uh, on your draft board. But he's a top sixty pick in my mind. Uh, is going to be clearly one of those bounce back guys that he didn't play last year. So uh, that, that's uh, that's where I sit with uh, Le'Veon Bell. But just curious to see what the Jets do. It was a wise, uh, wise to go after him. They needed something like that to get their offense going. Um, so it's uh, top five for me with in terms of running back for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, his pass catching ability is so strong, right? It's mm. it's hard to ignore yeah. that you're not only going to get touchdowns on the ground, you might get five to six touchdowns uh, in the air possibly. And, and if you're in your yardage league, it makes it even more. Okay, yardage is the big thing when it comes to receivers because they, other than the quarterback, can can rack up uh, so much more uh, in terms of yardage than uh, than a running back can, depending on the game. Right. And then there's the touchdowns. We we talked earlier about who the number one receiver was, and uh, of course that was uh, Hopkins from Tex, uh, the Houston Texans. Um, you know, but then there, and we talked about Michael Thomas as well, uh, Julio Jones. Yeah. Uh, you know, we haven't even mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. or Antonio Brown, who's in a new spot. Uh, so if if you got yeah. Hopkins number one, who's two and three off the board for receivers in your mind? 
Well, I think, again, a toss-up between Julio Jones and Michael Thomas. Like, Michael Thomas got paid the money that he is has earned. He's a top 60 guy for me, top 50, actually. 125 catches last year. I think you can be more than happy to see that type in, uh, and the big numbers in terms of receiving yardage uh, at 14 or uh, 1405. So I'm thinking about 1,300 receiving yards for Michael Thomas this year. Julio Jones, I think you're going to look at around the 1,500 mark. Uh, so to me, those two guys are two and three, and you can flip them, and you won't, you will not be disappointed. But a lot of depth at this position. You just said Odell Beckham Jr., Tyreek Hill, even despite his uh, issues uh, with the law. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be uh, have a big year, and Antonio Brown, I think, is your your eight pick, and he's going to really help Carr. Uh, have a great year and maybe kind of save his career with the Oakland Raiders. So do you, is Antonio Brown outside of the top five now when it comes to receivers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because there's just so much mystery with the, it's the, the Raiders. Uh, I know this is year two of John Gruden. He's got his guys in there. But I, you cannot ignore Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you cannot go wrong with – we didn't even mention Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers, right. uh, you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers – you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a bounce back year. You can't tell me that that's not going to uh, – the beneficiary of that bounce back year is going to be Devontae Adams. So it's it's a really deep position. You're going to be happy with any of those guys we just mentioned. But top three to me are, are Hawkins, Julio Jones, and Michael Thomas. And then there's a guy who you're counting on having big numbers in Tampa Bay, and that's Mike mm-hmm. Evans. You traded with me yeah. to get Tampa yeah. Bay's quarterback – and, 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 and you think the offense is going to be much better down there. So you, you would have to expect that Mike Evans is going to have a big year. Yeah, and Mike Evans is a free agent in our draft this year. So hopefully we can uh, enough teams slide by and let him <laughs> drop in because he, he's, he's a top 10 guy for sure. And I think he didn't, because of the seven touchdowns he scored, or sorry, he had eight last year. Uh, I mean, that's still a phenomenal top 50 pick for, for me. And I think the fact that Bruce Arians is the head coach and what he's done in his past with other quarterbacks in the National Football League. You, you, you know that uh, Jameis Winston's got the arm to go downfield a lot. No one went downfield more than Jameis Winston in 2018, and I think that's only going to keep going with uh, Bruce Arians at the helm. And you'll get that confidence going. The only thing that Jameis Winston's got to improve on, which he has not improved upon, even through college and National Football League, is turning the ball over. Uh, but regardless, I still think Mike Evans, top 10 receiver, uh, you'll be just thrilled with the numbers you're going to get for him. All right, when we look at the tight end position, is there a mm-hmm. more unpredictable position than tight end? Like I've been I've had Jordan Reed for years and the guy is mm. is awesome when he is healthy, but rarely is he healthy. I find tight ends get injured more than any other position or maybe it's just yeah. that there's so few really elite tight ends. Is is this one of the toughest positions to predict? Well, I think so. And injuries play a large role because they're so, you know, they're blocking sometimes. Uh, they're bigger players, a lot of contact. And I'm sure Rob Gronkowski can attest to how much contact you, you get. But I, I think there's, you again, like receivers, a lot of depth at this position, but it's up and down. I had Zach Ertz last year. Zach Ertz killed me because I was in the touchdown only league. And he only scored a little bit later on uh, in, the, in the fantasy football season um, to get the type of touchdowns that you're hoping for in a TD only league. But he's, to me, your number two guy uh, on the board because of Philadelphia's offensive capabilities. Uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, George Kittle, I think you're going to be happy with him, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, you know, you're, you're getting your quarterback back this year uh, in San Francisco. So um, Kittle, Hunter Henry's another guy. I mean, Evan Ingram's a guy. O.J. Howard, Jared Cook, there's a lot of depth at the tight end position. But like you said, who knows where all that with, with these teams, there's so many – uh, balls to throw around in the National Football League in terms of uh, through the air, it's hard to predict week after week what you're going to get uh, from a touchdown perspective from the tight end position. But, uh, you know, some good players uh, in that top 60 area at the tight end position. And I, I mentioned a bunch of guys right there. And Evan Ingram is great. Uh, I mentioned O.J. Howard, Jared Cook, already said about him. And Eric Ebron had a tremendous year in Indianapolis last year. But uh, so you can't advance McDonald. So, you you, not, you won't run dry at that position for a while, but very unpredictable like kickers, you know, and we're not really going to talk about kickers because I can't stand them in fantasy football. Um, so in that aspect, uh, I, I just mentioned my top three guys at the tight end position. Tight end is probably the position I pay the least amount of attention to during the draft. Like, yeah. It's almost yeah. like, you know, kickers maybe because there, there's a lot of kick, but you can get a kicker that can get a lot of points, but like I value defense yeah. and special teams that pick 
maybe more than a tight end because I've been burned by trying to spend a high pick on a good tight end and then they get injured, a la Jordan Reed. So it's uh, there There are names out there. I don't know if there's there's not as many like superstar elite high end as, as, as maybe mm-hmm. the running back and the, and the wide receiver, but um, I don't know. Is it a position you pay a lot of attention to in drafts? Uh, I, we don't have to because our league is you can start uh, one running back and and four receivers, whatever tight end or, or wide receiver. But if you're in a league, take care of your tight end early on. You know, in those top you know five rounds, if you have a, t- a tight end only league. So, but other than that, with our league, you know, uh, I don't pay a lot of attention to it. And I've survived just fine with the guys I've had. All right, defense and special teams, I think, is uh, an important category. Not that you're getting a lot of defensive touchdowns, but, uh, you know, returns happen in the NFL. And um, this is this is not the most important position to focus on, but I think you can win a league with a strong, uh, uh, you know, an above-average defensive special teams because in our league, that's, you know, at least six a bonus six points every week if you get that. Yeah, right. And then with, uh, we took that out of our league a little while ago about the double at over 50 point or, or over 50 yards. You get double the points. But still, if you have a good week from, you know, you get a touchdown return from your defense special teams, uh, that can be a big changer for you. So, I mean, Chicago had a great year last year. They lost their defensive coordinator uh, and Vic Fangio, who uh, left to become a head coach. Um, Chicago to me is still going to be the best defense special teams uh, in the National Football League. Jacksonville's defense is there. Uh, the Rams, Minnesota, you know, the usual suspects in these departments. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, Houston's up there as well. So, um, you know, you're not going to, you're going to be waiting a long time to draft your defense special teams. You're not going to rush to do it, but you just wait till a bunch, you know, you wait till there's a run, basically, because mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to kill you if you're not going to get in those top uh, five teams. You just, uh, uh, you, you wait a little bit more patiently, but I'd wait for a run with defense special teams if that's the case for you. Yeah, in, in our league, I put the defense special teams ahead of the tight end because of what you said. You don't have to mm-hmm. uh, play a tight end, so that's why I... But, you know, I've been, I, I, you know, I took Minnesota last year a little higher than maybe I should have because they didn't, bat, they mm-hmm. didn't have the same season they had before, so you have to be uh, really careful. All right, let's look at uh, the most overrated and underrated at uh, each position. Mm-hmm. When you look at the quarterback, who's the most overrated quarterback and the most underrated quarterback? Uh, I, because of the team he plays for, and you're just never certain, even though all those offseason moves have been made, the drafting has looked great, and everyone's on the Cleveland Brown train, but I still hesitate to put Baker Mayfield with you know, the top 15 quarterback in, in, in fantasy football, even though he has that running ability, is still the Cleveland Browns. And just uh, just call me being pessimistic on this one. I'm just not sold on him entirely. Uh, if you want, if you believe he's a top 15, I, I think you're going to be disappointed. But at this point, just on his name and the way the Cleveland Browns are trending this year, I think Baker Mayfield is the most overrated quarterback in fantasy football right now. Underrated? Uh, underrated. I still, I mean, I think people are going to hop off the train with, with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, right? There's a new head coach this year. Maybe he's getting a little bit older, but I think he's, he's still going to provide you top four, top five numbers at the quarterback position. Now it, it may sound like I'm being a little bit saying that people will go high or start to give up on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think you should. Uh, there's a new fresh head coach in, in green Bay right now. You may be questioning that, but I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So to me, to me, he's still underrated, and that's that's hard to say at this point. At the running back position, who's the most overrated and underrated? Uh, Mr. Henry from the uh, Tennessee Titans. A great year last year, but Tennessee to me is uh, you're never sure what you're going to get from the quarterback position. Uh, they can certainly shut down the run. If you're opposing the Tennessee Titans, you know they're a run-first type organization, run-first offense. So Derrick Henry, although he is you know top 15 running back-wise, I still think he's a little bit overrated. Uh, hard to see him having a huge game like he had last year and huge numbers that he did last year. So to me, he's the, uh, he's the most overrated running back in fantasy football. And what about underrated? Underrated, I... <laughs> I still think James Conner is a little underrated right now. Uh, to me, Pittsburgh believe that they, they, you know, this is year two of surviving Le'Veon Bell. James Conner is not getting a lot of the love that I think he should get. So to me, he's still underrated. He's going to show a lot of people the Pittsburgh Steelers made uh, the right choice on giving up on Le'Veon Bell. All right. And uh, we'll just do wide receiver. Overrated and yeah. most underrated wide receiver. 
Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, to me, will be very overrated this year, although he is deserving of the top status. But Philadelphia has so many weapons in their offense that if you're looking for touchdowns from him, you're going to be disappointed in that aspect. Uh, big name, good offense. But if you're hoping for top 10 numbers in the fantasy receiver department, that is not Alshon Jeffrey's department. And underrated still to me, uh, Julian Edelman. Uh, every time the, he's missing from the Patriots organization, uh, the offense kind of takes a step back. To me, he'll always be a top 15 receiver in fantasy football as long as he's healthy. But uh, it's just unbelievable the numbers that this little man puts up year after year. And I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves uh, uh, in fantasy football. All right. And I, I said tight end is the most unpredictable position in fantasy football. Yeah. Do you agree or do you think yeah. there's a different position? No, no. I, I mean, I would go with kickers sometimes, but I just don't think we need to give kickers any love on this, this, this part <laughs> of the show. Uh, so tight end. And I, I apologize to all the kickers out there, but you're a very frustrating group of people to deal with year after year in drafting. Uh, tight end, I agree with you. You know, like there's, uh, you know what you're going to get from most running backs. You can tell if the offense line is, you know, if it's a good offensive line, you realize they're going to move the football, so the, pan, the points are going to be there. Uh, if the quarterback has time, you know the numbers he's going to put up. So uh, it's a it's a it's a passing league in the National Football League. So. Uh, I think tight end is a very difficult one to figure out what you're going to get week after week because of the responsibilities of the position. All right, two more quick ones. Andrew Luck was the comeback yeah. player of the year last season. Who's this year's version of Andrew Luck? Who is primed for a bounce-back season? You know, Leonard Fournette, it, to me, is, is if you're going to draft a running back, he deserves another chance. And I mean, he was nicked up last year, only averaged a measly 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, those lower body injuries cost him seven games, was suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct for one game uh, during the fantasy playoffs. He burned a lot of people last year, but Jacksonville has Nick Foles, their quarterback. Uh, they don't no longer have to rely on Blake Bortles, but Fournette has a kind of 300 plus carry uh, option, averaged 29, 21.9 touches per game over his career. So he's that rare bell cow type running back. So Leonard Fournette is a guy that's going to bounce back this year in 2019. And who's going the other way? Who's a guy that somebody that a lot of people are going to draft really high and they're going to be disappointed in, do you think? Uh, Todd, Todd Gurley. Uh, the question about his knee right now is, is still kind of hanging out there. And yes, the Rams are still one of the best offenses in football. I just don't think you're going to get, actually, I know you're not going to get the numbers that Todd Gurley put up last year. Uh, they drafted another running back just to make sure they're safe at that position. So, uh, to me, if the if the team is like we're not sure about it, I think there's a reason behind it, and Todd Gurley is going to disappoint if you expect the same type of numbers that you got from him in 2018. You know, one guy we haven't mentioned in the running back position, I don't think we mentioned him anyway, is Christian McCaffrey. I, I think that guy is a great Swiss Army knife uh, oh, yeah. as far oh, yeah, as totally. fantasy football. Yeah, we we have not given him enough love. He's another. He's a top, you know, top five, six running back in, in the National Football League, and uh, is going to be that main option. Uh, does everything for you. A little smaller, so you have to wonder about the injury impact at mm -hmm. some point. But uh, Christian McCaffrey, to me, is a top five or six running back in in fantasy football in 2019. It's funny that we didn't even mention the little guy. Yeah, no kidding. He does he does a little bit of everything. Jamie, thanks so much for joining me. Our draft is uh, what uh, just. 20 days away or something like that? Yeah, 20, almost just under three weeks away, brother. And uh, we're, we're going to do the uh, – we'll do waiver wire before the season starts this year. So a little bit of a change due to the World Professional Fantasy Football League. I'm very much looking forward to that. Thanks, as always, for joining me. We'll talk next week. All right, my man. Talk to you soon. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. This is best or worst. All right, on uh, best or worst, I just picked something from, uh, well, I flip a coin and uh, best or worst uh, just comes up and that's uh, what I go with. And uh, it's either the best of something that I've experienced or been through or done or have watched or the worst. Today is the uh, worst hole of golf uh, I've ever had. And, uh, you know, you, you watch the odd time when in majors, particularly in the British Open, guys are getting into double digits. I'm like, oh, yes. Now I know what, that now I know that the, the professionals have to go through this every once in a while. Anyway, I was in uh, Drumheller at Dinosaur Trail Golf and Country Club for the uh, 
I think it was called the High Handicap Golf Tournament for uh, Alberta Golf. It's really fun. It's a great uh, event that they put on. If, you, if you're ever uh, interested in uh, playing and seeing how you would uh, fare in a competitive environment, and uh, you can check these, some of the, I, I think they still have them. Uh, I played in a couple of them. Um, and they're uh, tournaments, and you have to uh, count. You know, if, you, if you're one of those golfers that uh, shaves strokes, this is not for you. Um, you have to be very honest, as I always was when I played golf. Uh, so anyway, I was in this tournament. It was for high handicap players, uh, so like in the 20s and above. And the golf course is beautiful down there, by the way. If you've ever been down there, uh, take your. if you're ever going there, take your clubs. And uh, it's worth it because there's some beautiful but very different scenery. Um, the front is typical old country club, up and down style, treed fairways with the odd dog leg. The back is like a roller coaster. You... Uh, you kind of like slowly drive your cart up this really steep hill, and it's like the first little bit of a roller coaster with the going up or something like that. And then you get to the back, and the uh, scenery takes your breath away. There's a lot of up and down. Um, it's like desert terrain. Beautiful fairways, but not fun if you stray from the grass. I, I was actually playing pretty well in this tournament. Um, and I had played, went down and played a couple of practice rounds. So I kind of knew that you have to, or you should kind of take your medicine as they say. Uh, but I did not listen to that advice, but I was playing pretty well. I was one over after the front. I know that. And I was about two or three over by the time I reached the 13th or the 14th hole. I can't exactly remember which I've tried to block most of this out of my memory, but, um, so I was on this hole and I was playing. Okay. Uh, first shot goes into the rough and this is where take your medicine comes in. Should have just taken a drop because it was uh, not just any rough it was kind of like on a you were on a downhill slope so you were the ball was definitely ahead of me uh, of uh, way to my uh, higher at the front rather and uh, my feet were definitely below the ball so it was a really tough stance and so I tried to get out that's two uh, then I just tried to get out again and ba by then the ball was embedded in the side and I had to take a drop which I should have done in the first place it was so dumb then the next shot I was pissed off by that point put it in the ob uh the uh seventh shot i advanced it up the fairway uh, not very well but i just kept it on the fairway for the first time on that hole on uh, the eighth shot i put it over the green and hit my golf cart that i had parked back there by the green and that is a two-stroke penalty <laughs> as i was informed because i wanted to make sure i was trying to add this all up so i was telling the one of the rules officials that was around at the time about this, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's uh, you're off your golf cart, uh, so that's not good. So, okay, chalk up another uh, few penalty strokes for that one as I hit my golf cart. Uh, so then uh, then my 11th goes over the green again. Uh, then my uh, 12th, I get on and uh, putt, and then I miss again, and I miss again, and I eventually tap in for a 15, a 15 on a par 4. It, uh, you know, at that point, I, you know, Probably got ahead of myself, but I was thinking I was playing pretty well. Maybe it could be a really fun couple of days. And then that took everything out of me. Like, how do you recover after a 15 when you're in a competitive mode? Like, I, I have no idea. Uh, but the next day, I'll tell you what I did. I hit it in the same spot, took a drop, made a bogey. Unbelievable. When you take your medicine, things actually work out. You, you lessen the damage. When you try to be a hero like I did, you end up with a 15. And, yeah. And th you know what else? I was also given the uh, the nickname of Stroke 13 Academy. We used to have this uh, golf tournament when I was doing the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we would go up to Jasper Park Lodge, and uh, the 10th hole at JPL, I put up 13 on that hole one time. Same thing, dumb, uh, didn't take my medicine. Um, and But the next time after I played it, I birdied it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Golf can be so cruel. So uh, from 13 to 15, that is best or worst, talking about worst golf hole ever. All right, this is Goalie Geek Out now, accompanied by Pele. And uh, by the way, all the music uh, provided for sports and more is by Sweet Bejesus. Uh, 
Christian Gutzis, Kevin Dabbs uh, formed that band. Their album, Policeman's Creek, can be available on Apple Music. And uh, this is a song about Pelly Limber. It's a wonderful song, a tribute to a goaltender uh, taken too soon, far, far, far too soon. So Goalie Geek Out is where I just pick out a couple of goalies, one that I loved as a kid, one that I didn't. And I'm going with uh, the goalie that I loved this battle on Trechak. Basically, this is a segment for me to just be able to talk about goalies because I love them. I played goal growing up. So, Vladislav Trechak was so good for Russia. I have no idea why he was pulled in uh, Lake Placid against the Americans. One of the dumbest moves. Russian coaches did things very differently. Sometimes they just wanted to shake things up, send a message. I don't know. But they pulled him against the Americans. And there's a big reason probably why the Americans won the miracle on ice. But Trechak won three Olympic golds, ten world championships. And my only regret is that he never played full-time in the NHL. He played in NHL arenas, and we'll get to that in a second, but he was drafted after great seasons with Russia and uh, the Red Army. He was drafted by the Habs in the seventh round in 1983, at 31 years old. What would have that done to Patrick Waugh's story if Trechak had came to North America and played for Montreal in the early 80s? Unfortunately, a transfer agreement couldn't be worked out. He never played in the NHL. Did play uh, against NHL teams. New Year's Eve 1975, one of my favorite games of all time. I was barely two months old, so I don't remember it, but I have watched it several times. Uh, as mentioned, uh, international championships, and I only wished he could have played full-time in North America. I love Vladislav Trechak. He was, uh, to me, one of the greatest goaltenders ever of all time. Now, the goalie I'm not a big fan of was Pete Peters. And for childless reasons, because I was a kid, he was my brother's uh, favorite goalie, my older brother's favorite goalie. So right there, made him a rival to me. Played for the Flyers and the Bruins, two teams when I was younger that I didn't like. Um, and he became a goalie coach for the Oilers and wasn't terribly open-minded. Um, Pete Peters didn't go down a lot to make a lot of saves, and I'm not sure if he was... Uh, guy that evolved properly in the goaltending coaching ranks but whatever I you know he has his own philosophies I just wasn't a fan of him as a kid because I couldn't be a fan of a player that my brother liked like that just would not be right so yeah Vladislav Trechak is the uh, goalie that I loved here on Goalie Geek Out accompanied by Pele Pete Peters is a goalie that as a kid was not a big fan of We now celebrate another great John Candy character. I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. Today on Great John Candy Characters, we're diving back into the world of SCTV, where there just seems to be an unending treasure of John Candy characters. We're going with Gil Fisher, the Fishin' Musician, if you uh, remember this show from uh, or the, these episodes, and it was a recurring character for John Candy. His portrayal of a host of a fishing show with uh, not a lot of experience is pretty awesome. So John Candy, as uh, Gil, has different bands or artists on each week to talk about fishing. This one we're focusing on is with Jimmy Buffett, and Jimmy is uh, he's really impressed with this. Now, now in, in my studio here where I record, I have a fur-bearing trout on the wall. Not as impressive as what John Candy, Gil, um, uh, the fishing musician has on his wall, and uh, Jimmy Fuff, Jimmy Buffett really, really likes it. Marlin, Marlin, Marlin. 
Marlin. Is that a not a Marlin man? Oh, I love Marlin. Macho fish. They are a macho when fish. When they come out of the water like that. Oh, yeah. Kona plug or live fish? Well, I, neither, Jimmy, because, uh, you see, I bought that. I, I don't, I've never fished for Marlin. I bought that sucker, and, uh, oh, it's, it's just a beautiful Well, thing it's a deep water fish, and it gets rough it out there, you know, and it you is, might get yep. a bit sick, you know. Or whatever, yeah, sure. <laughs> so John Candy is uh, so great at that, uh, just so subtly slide stuff in. As the episode goes on, it becomes apparent that Gil does not do a lot of fishing at all. Uh, he loves fish. Uh, as you'll find out later, he doesn't eat it. Uh, but he and uh, Jimmy Buffett end up uh, going up in, uh, of all things, a hot air balloon to do some high wire fishing. You know, the beauty of uh, fishing from a balloon is that you sneak up on the fish itself. And there we can see the wildlife uh, there that looks like a wild dog, I think, uh, or a big rabbit. Yeah, it's either a dog or a rabbit. Uh, it's just hilarious. Uh, Jimmy Buffett uh, was eventually... Uh, relaxing because he was not having fun at the beginning. Uh, they actually caught some fish, um, supposedly. Uh, they chased off a rival uh, fishing show host from Mellonville. Uh, they stopped for a bathroom break where they just lowered the balloon into the trees and apparently uh, gilded his business. And uh, in the end, uh, while the balloon was uh, dropping into the lake behind them, uh, they cooked their fish and something else. I couldn't believe you put a steak in it. Well, you know, I just can't stand the taste of fish, Jimmy. I don't know. I can catch them all day, but I can't eat them. I don't know what it is. Yeah, John Candy, uh, while they're cooking this, uh, I think it was trout that they said they uh, caught, he throws a giant steak in there. He's a fishing show host that uh, doesn't catch a lot of fish and does not eat any fish, but uh, loves apparently talking about it. So uh, that is, uh, and then there's a few other episodes as well of the uh, fishing musician Gil Fisher, another great John Candy character. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. It's hot right now. Hansel. So hot right now. Hansel. Let's explore in Cool of the Week. Very well. Where do I begin? All right, cool of the week is something I've uh, never experienced. I'm not sure how many people have experienced a uh, triple header. Uh, the Evident Prospects, as mentioned, I uh, host a Prospects baseball show with myself and their coach and assistant GM, Jordan Blundell. Uh, there'll be an episode tomorrow, and I'm thinking it's going to be a playoff episode. Anyway, they had a triple header on Saturday. Uh, it was great. We had our contest winners from that podcast, the Prospects baseball show, join us uh, to watch the game in a suite. Uh, they originally had planned we were going to do batting practice with them at Remax Field, but uh, with all the delays, uh, the, the prospects were backed up. Uh, they tried to play Friday night. It rained. Hailed. Crazy, crazy weather that we had here in uh, in uh, Alberta and the Edmonton area. So then they had to play, finish, uh, they played two innings Friday. So they played another seven innings at noon. Then they played a seven-inning game at two. Then they played a nine-inning game at seven. That was on Saturday. Sunday, they play two more games, 2 o'clock, 7 o'clock. And today, they're playing again, this being Monday, uh, August 5th. Uh, by the way, uh, happy birthday to my sister-in-law, Shauna Millard. Uh, have fun. I hope you guys had fun at the uh, reunion that you guys were at uh, over the weekend. Anyway, uh, back to the show. Um, the Prospects have won six in a row. They won them all on the weekend. They are just, and it was it was awesome to be there because we were there for the noon game, and, and they blew out Yorkton. And then they were down by four runs in the second game, and they needed to win these games. Uh, I'll tell you why in a second, because the playoffs are on the line, uh, but the scenario that was going into it, they came back from down four and won in walk-off fashion. It was awesome to be at the bar, bar, ballpark. It was a beautiful day. Um, that show, the Prospects Baseball Show, we lead the league in uh, giveaways. We've got all kinds of contests. So if you're looking at uh, some uh, baseball, definitely next year, because I don't know if they're going to prospects are going to be uh, home for any of their playoff games yet or not. Uh, if they are, we'll have tickets to give away. Uh, but definitely next year, if you want to check out some more regular season baseball, uh, the prospects are where it's at. Uh, Jordan has that team humming right now, six in a row, trying to clinch a playoff spot. Um, as I record this, they are in the... Ninth inning, and they're up 
Um, and it's a good thing because the team that's chasing them won 20 to nothing. Fort McMurray is uh, behind them in the standings, and they'll play Yorkton again tonight and tomorrow. But the prospects are wrapping things up. And the scenario was a win today gets them in, or a Fort Mac loss in any of their three games gets them in. And the prospects, um, according to uh, the league scoreboard, up 12-7 in the ninth. So they just need to finish it off, and we'll be doing a playoff podcast tomorrow for the prospects baseball show. Uh, It was awesome. A triple header on Saturday. That is uh, cool of the week. Something I just, uh, you know, experience or uh, a movie. Uh, That's what I try to do with cool of the week. Something that's new that I find interesting. And and I thought the triple header, like what would Ernie Banks have said? He wants to play two, but they're going to play three. Uh, So that was uh, the Edmonton prospects. Uh, You could check them out on Twitter at EDM prospects. And obviously prospects, baseball club.ca to get, your tickets and uh, we are going to wrap today with uh, the obscenely rich list Uh, this is something that uh, my dad and I used to do when we were traveling and we would play the what would you do if you won the lottery game so I've expanded it now to being obscenely rich not just winning like a million dollars you know talking you know having upwards of a hundred million dollars what's or whatever obscenely rich is to you Um, 60 million dollars to me would be obscenely rich but if I was obscenely rich Um, This is what I would do. I would create a free fantasy camp for kids and adults who struggle with mental illness. Uh, I am one of those people. Uh, I I struggle with, uh, and I have a journey with uh, depression and anxiety and uh, PTSD. Uh, So I have, um, I know what it's like. Uh, So I would create something where you're going to be able to let them just relax a little bit more and do something they really enjoy. Um, you can do athletic fantasy, you can do a baseball fantasy camp, a hockey fantasy camp, basketball, whatever, any kind of sport. Uh, you could uh, do a um, an actor's fantasy camp. I'm sure there would be some actors who know uh, what it's like to struggle with mental illness that would be interested in coming out and you know talking. You could have directors and producers. So aspiring writers, directors, actors could have some sort of fantasy camp. Bands, artists, musics, authors, anything. I would just... Um, you know, have one tried to do once a month a uh, free fantasy camp for kids and adults that uh, struggle with mental illness um, for for maybe at least a week. Give them a chance to realize that um, there are people out there that have been what they've been through, and they can reach uh, high levels of life. So that's what I would do if I was obscenely rich. And so that's gonna wrap things up for us here on the Sports and More podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 11. If you missed any of our previous episodes, check out deanmillard.ca and you can find all of our episodes for all of the podcasts that we have going in Podcast Alley. Thanks again for joining me. Have yourselves a wonderful week. Hope you had a great long weekend and we'll talk to you again next week. Playtime is over. The Sports and More Podcast with Dean Millard. If I only had those two huge hands.